In the late 18th century, the newly independent United States of America faced its first major domestic crisis. Settlers in the westernmost regions rose up in armed rebellion against the government. The cause of the rebellion had to do with taxes, which was the very thing that the American Revolution was about in the first place. The rebellion was seen by some as a threat to the very existence of the new country. Learn more about the Whiskey Rebellion, its causes, and its ramifications on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. Summer is right around the corner, and that means cookouts. No matter what your preferred food is for a cookout or a barbecue, ButcherBox can help you make it the best. If you want to serve up some hamburgers, ButcherBox has grass-fed ground beef to make the perfect smash burger. Want to cook up some steaks? Well, ButcherBox has that too, with some of the best cuts of steak, such as New York Strip, ribeye, and filet mignon. Do you like grilled chicken? Well, ButcherBox has some of the best pasture-raised chicken that you will find anywhere. And if you really want to wow people at your next cookout, you can try grilling some of their wild-caught salmon on a cedar plank. Sign up at ButcherBox.com daily and get a special deal. ButcherBox is offering my listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com daily and use code daily to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus get $20 off your first order. This episode is sponsored by Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. I recently had the chance to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond, and I can attest to its exceptional aromas with hints of caramel and vanilla intertwining with its oakiness, which provide a well-rounded flavor profile. Taking a sip is akin to experiencing a piece of bourbon history firsthand. Heaven Hill Distillery may be America's most quintessential bourbon distillery. Established in 1935 after the end of Prohibition, the distillery was established by the Shapira family and has remained a family-owned distillery to this day. In 1897, Congress passed the Bottled in Bond Act, which set forth strict rules for any bourbon labeled Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond bourbon goes beyond the stringent requirements of the law by aging its bourbon for seven years, not four. The end result is a gold medal-winning bourbon that truly stands out. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill, bottled in bond. Heaven Hill reminds you, think wisely, drink wisely. One of the things that might be hard to understand in the 21st century is that in the late 18th century, nobody was really sure if the American experiment was going to be successful. This was a country that was far from the old world. It was surrounded by the colonies of European powers, and it was a republic in a world that was mostly ruled by monarchies. And there were many people in Britain who were sure that the United States would soon fall apart, and they'd come crawling back to Mother England. So when the events that took place in the early 1790s occurred, they were taken very seriously at the time, even though they've been largely forgotten today. And the story starts with debt. The United States came out of the Revolutionary War with an enormous amount of debt. The first Congress and the first president were inaugurated in March of 1789. One of the big things that this new government did took place in 1790 when the federal government assumed all of the debts incurred by the individual states. This was a compromise between the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists, where in exchange for assuming the state debt, 
the nation's capital would be established on the Potomac River between Virginia and Maryland. This was the idea of the first Secretary of the Treasury, Alexander Hamilton. He wanted to assume all of the state debt to strengthen the power of the federal government. The reason why it would strengthen the federal government, according to Hamilton, is because it would require a system of tariffs and taxes that would be a source of revenue for the government to pay off the debt. One of Hamilton's proposed taxes was a tax on distilling alcohol. Hamilton thought that a tax on alcohol, which was in effect a tax on whiskey, would be a rather benign tax. Even though Americans drank an enormous amount of liquor, and here I'll reference my previous episode on the astonishing drinking habits of early Americans, it was still not considered to be virtuous. Taxes on such items as alcohol and tobacco are still known as sin taxes today. Moreover, Hamilton thought that his tax wouldn't be noticed because it was paid by whiskey producers, not by consumers. Nonetheless, many people were uneasy about this tax, including President George Washington. He was against the tax, but in 1791, he toured Virginia and Pennsylvania to get the opinions of citizens. While on his tour, he found enthusiastic support for the whiskey tax from local elected officials. Having heard the widespread support for the plan, he returned to Philadelphia and supported the passage of the legislation. However, there was a problem. At this time, about 96% of the population of the United States lived on the east of the Appalachian Mountains. When the tax was proposed, that was the population that was considered and the commercial whiskey producers in this area were the intended target of the tax. The 4% of the population who lived west of the Appalachian Mountains lived in what was called at the time the West. They lived in western Pennsylvania and the Ohio River Valley. The people who lived in this region mostly lived a subsistence lifestyle. They were farmers who grew crops, and the biggest crop was corn. In addition to living a subsistence lifestyle, most of the people in this region got whatever goods they couldn't produce from barter usually bartering their surplus crops. However, corn and all grains were incredibly inefficient crops to transport. Grain is heavy. The major population centers were hundreds of miles away over mountains, and corn, like all grains, could spoil. However, what did work was converting the grain to alcohol, a.k.a. whiskey. Whiskey was over 10 times easier to transport by weight, even though it was a liquid. And moreover, the economic value was even greater. Whiskey was used as the primary form of exchange in the backwoods. In addition to being widely consumed, it was used to purchase whatever someone who lived far from civilization might need. This was vital because most of these people didn't have money. And when I say they didn't have money, I mean that the people literally didn't have money. Almost all commerce was conducted via barter, in particular with whiskey. The whiskey tax did not exempt personal stills that these people used on the frontier. These people didn't take it well that the government came in and taxed the one thing they had of value, especially considering that they had just fought and won a war about taxation. However, that wasn't even the biggest problem. The tax had to be paid in cash, and the people on the frontier didn't have cash. If they could have paid the tax in kind, then maybe it might have been unpopular, but it could have been tolerable. But the government needed cash to pay off its debt, and cash was something that these people simply didn't have. And the cherry on top of everything is that the tax was regressive. Large producers only paid $0.06 cents a gallon, and it got cheaper the more they made. 
the small distillers had to pay $0.09 per gallon. The tax went into effect in 1791, and the reaction to it was swift. Protests against the tax began immediately. Most whiskey producers simply refused to pay it. When officials came to collect the tax, they were often threatened with violence. Tensions between the whiskey producers and the federal government continued to rise throughout 1791, and things came to a head on September 11th in Washington County, Pennsylvania. A tax collector by the name of Robert Johnson came to the county seat of Washington to collect the whiskey taxes when a group of women confronted him. Except they weren't women. They were men dressed as women. They stripped Johnson naked, took his horse, and tarred and feathered him. I don't think I've actually ever mentioned tarring and feathering on this podcast before, but it's worth a brief explanation. Tarring and feathering was a form of publishment and public humiliation that went back centuries. It was often done in a highly public manner, often by a crowd or a mob. The tar was often a type of tree sap that would be heated to temperatures of about 60 degrees Celsius or 140 degrees Fahrenheit. This would be poured on the person, and then a sack of feathers would be dumped on their head. This was seldom fatal, but the hot tar or sap would be extremely painful and would often cause serious burns. So this wasn't a type of punishment that was cartoonish, it was more a form of torture. So they did this to Robert Johnson and then left him alone and naked to walk back to the next town. Johnson had recognized two of the men who did this to him, so he reported them and a warrant was issued for their arrest. Another man, John Connor, was sent to arrest the men, and the same thing happened to him. For most of 1791 and 1792, the whiskey tax simply wasn't collected in western Pennsylvania and the new state of Kentucky because it was simply too difficult to enforce collection. While western Pennsylvania was the site of the most notable resistance to the tax, there were protests in every state in Appalachia, from Maryland down to Georgia. In 1792, Alexander Hamilton was advocating the use of the military to enforce the tax, but the Attorney General at the time, Edmund Randolph, resisted such an action. But then things began to go beyond local resistance. A convention was held in Pittsburgh in August of 1792 in response to what they thought was a lack of representation in Congress. The delegates, five from each county in Pennsylvania, began to become more radicalized, issuing demands and replicating much of what was done during the American Revolution. They raised liberty poles in towns and formed local militia. In September 1792, Hamilton drafted a presidential proclamation against the tax resistors that was eventually signed by President Washington and published widely. However, things kept escalating. In 1793, a mob attacked the home of one Benjamin Wells, a tax collector, and threatened his wife and family. And this was just one of many such attacks against federal tax officials. It was in 1794 where things really boiled over. Federal District Attorney William Rawl issued subpoenas on 60 distillers who had avoided the tax. These men would have to travel over 300 miles to Philadelphia, the location of the court, at their own expense. A federal marshal by the name of David Lennox was tasked with issuing the subpoenas, which he managed to actually do. On July 15th, he visited the home of General John Neville, the head of federal tax collection for Western Pennsylvania. 600 armed men surrounded Neville's home south of Pittsburgh. Ten army soldiers showed up to defend, and soon shooting began. The leader of the rebellious forces, Major James McFarland, was killed. The death of McFarland spurred an escalation. 
On August 1st, 7,000 people assembled outside of Pittsburgh, and there was talk of declaring independence from the United States, and they even deployed their own flag. The tax revolt had now entered open armed rebellion. Most of the members of President Washington's cabinet advocated the use of force to put down the rebellion, but Secretary of State Edmund Randolph wanted to negotiate. Washington did send a team to negotiate, but while they were doing that, he also assembled a military force. He created an army of almost 13,000 men, which was an enormous number for the country at that time. It was an army almost as large as the Continental Army during the American Revolution. On September 30th, Washington left Philadelphia to review the troops and the status of the expedition to western Pennsylvania. It is believed to have been the first and only time that a sitting commander-in-chief has actually led military units in the field. The troops entered western Pennsylvania in October, and the rebellion almost instantly disappeared in the face of a superior force. Many of the leaders of the rebellion fled, and the government arrested some who they thought took part in the rebellion. But in the end, only two people were found guilty of treason, and both of those were given a pardon by Washington. The whiskey tax was eventually repealed in 1802 when Thomas Jefferson was in office. On the one hand, the Whiskey Rebellion was historically a rather small uprising with very few casualties. Yet on the other hand, the Whiskey Rebellion was a critical moment in American history. It tested the new federal government's ability to enforce its laws and establish a precedent for federal authority. The successful resolution of the rebellion demonstrated that the government had the will and the means to suppress violent resistance to its laws. It also highlighted the tensions between rural frontier areas and the federal government, a theme that would reoccur in American history. And it was also a rather poorly written law. It would have been easy to have exempted the small whiskey producers, which didn't produce much revenue anyhow and from whom it was difficult to collect. In the end, the Whiskey Rebellion was America's first major test as a country, and one that it managed to pass. The executive producer of Everything Everywhere Daily is Charles Daniel. The associate producers are Peter Bennett and Cameron Kiefer. I wanted to give a big thanks to everyone who supports the show on Patreon. Your support helps me put out a new show every day. And if you're interested in Everything Everywhere Daily merchandise, Patreon is currently the only place where it's available. And if you'd like to talk to other listeners of the show and get notified of future episodes and projects, please join my Facebook group or Discord server. Links to everything are in the show notes.